That'll work. That'll work. Okay. Hello and welcome. I am here with Jay Rosen, one of the very eclectic artists that I know uh, that spans between digital art creation, photography, astrophotography, augmented reality, um, web developing, you name it pretty much. Um, I'm happy to have you here, Jay. Thank you for joining me here at Tampa Bay Comic Con 2013. Hey, it's great to be back. <laughs> I know. I think we saw each other, what, like four years ago back in Megacon. It was the last time we we interacted before the pandemic. Holiday Matsuri. Oh, that's right. Holiday Matsuri. Wow. <laughs> time flies. Um, Jay, you've been busy since post-pandemic, um, especially in UF, tackling things within the augmented reality. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're up to with your yeah this thing this is uh so for the past 10 years i've actually been developing my own augmented reality headsets the mirror vision wear glass fashion luxury virtual reality i call it uh, they're very cutting edge low tech and hakucho uh, style but with the university of florida i'm trying to actually create this very low cost 3d printed design that competes with meta and microsoft you see this uses a smartphone, so everyone has a smartphone, reduces the cost if you have your own smartphone, kind of like a Google Cardboard, but instead you slide to the top and you can actually see an augmented reality overlay over you. So it's like only $5 to manufacture these and does the same thing as like a $3,000 headset. So No, that's crazy. And then you can, this is something that I'm, I believe you're trying to get UF on board to give every student one of these, correct? That's really the my vision is for the cost to manufacture this for every student, it's like buying like a hundred headsets, you know, the top ones. So it's just if we want the the idea of like a future of the internet, future of metaverse, future of gaming, and everyone living in the virtual reality, it's not so much like spending three thousand dollars on headsets. I think that's kind of unrealistic. I think if everyone could just go to the convenience store and just buy this, almost like sunglasses, then. Yeah, we'll be seeing we'll be seeing flying sharks. And <laughs> <laughs> now, I think if I remember correctly, when I met you a couple of years ago, what you had did not look like that. You've gone through different variations of the different designs of the mirrors. Can you share a little bit about? I believe the project started in 2012, and yeah. so yeah. it's been about 11, 12 years. Yeah, it's been more than 10 years. Uh, the same material. Uh, I started with the, this mirrored, transparent glass material. I just thought it was very interesting how you can create reflections and affinity and opacity. And the original designs I had, they were based on platonic solids like the pyramid and octahedron. And when you wear it, you see this kaleidoscopic, omnipresently twisted vision of the world. You see things behind you, in front of you, and things to the sides all, all flipped and overlaid. And when people wear it, it's like, they think it's just trippy and it was cool but at the same time it was like this fashionable thing because you're wearing your environment and it was always this uh collaboration with people uh just wanted to try it on or take photos right. with it and so yeah it's evolved from being this uh geometric to now very lightweight 3d printed um, so i'm guessing when i photographed you back at megacon to me when you were wearing all the different mirrors and whatnot you were looking at something pretty trippy is that essentially the case here? Sometimes it depends on the lighting. That's the thing. It changes. Uh, if there's lighting inside of it, I'll see infinity. Like I'll see myself <laughs> millions of times. If you take the light outside of it, then I can see the world kind of uh, yeah collapsing on itself. So why mirrors? What do you? What's the? 
what's the motivation of taking that approach? It's got to augment your reality or affect your senses, no? So I've been an artist all my life. Uh, when I went to UF, I was doing traditional art, drawing, painting. And I got really interested in this new emerging genre called light art, where people were using technologies like LEDs and projectors and mirrors to use natural light to create experiences and like activate sensations in ourselves. And that's why I realized like when you actually play with the world of optics and nature, we're experiencing the world in a whole new way and new perceptions. And I love this idea of augmenting our perception to see the world anew. No, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, and as far as I know, this is this project has not only been here in Florida, but it's been showcased all around the U.S., I think even as far as up in Oregon, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mirror Vision Aware did a collaboration with the band Time, Synthbot Pan uh, Time. They're based in Gainesville. We've done over 150 shows all over America, all the major cities, Canada. And again, that's why I mean, it's a collaboration where uh, the band would wear the Mirror Vision headsets and they would just hand it out to people and they would dance. And you see people just wearing it in random places. And uh, also created a geodesic mirror dome that they would they would uh, assemble and collapse and just allow people to play around in mirrors. I think, if I remember correctly, I saw something down in Miami that you brought this with you. What kind of augmented reality showcasing happened down there? Or what can you tell me about that particular expo that was down there? Yeah, so recently I just went to a Miami NFT hackathon. I brought this with me. I've been All these hackathons are fun because it gives you like two days to just try and build a brand new app. So in Miami, I actually uh, created uh, 1,000 augmented reality designs using MidJourney. So I'm using AI okay. to create the imagery. And in Miami, since I had the idea of what if each of these images or is an NFT, and when you own the NFT, it unlocks its own virtual reality experience that only the owner of the NFT can see. So kind of this idea of like a digital clothing mixed with a physical aspect. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's such a new world for me. I started poking around in it, and it's pretty interesting, especially with the affordability, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, Facebook uses very similar glass technology, right? But they just hack up the price, make it ex very difficult to afford just to the average user. Uh, exactly. That's the thing is, 10 years ago, I was playing with this. I was, I was so fascinated with mirrored, transparent uh, plastic, and I would always cut up all my own sculptures, and I'm like, I've been doing this for the past 10 years. I'm known as like the mirror guy. And then I'm looking at the new headsets that are coming out from Microsoft and Meta and Apple. And it's like, that's my, <laughs> my glass headset. So I'm like, I'm going to do it better than them and just charge way less because I'm not all for profit. I'm just trying to show everyone a new way to see the world. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, there's a project that I came across that you're hoping to tackle at some point, which is the underworld project i know it's a it's a big project i think it's fascinating um can you elaborate a little bit about what that looks like and what i don't know what it could bring to the world i think is interesting especially when it comes to our ancestors so i'll let you talk a little bit more about it yeah, underworld technology is the idea that if you were to go to like a graveyard you can wear a headset like this and using ai and public record data essentially recreate uh, the people that are actually there, you know, recreating our ancestors, uh, the dead, and so that way we can communicate with them and have conversations. The truth is 
they're probably more dead people than living people, which means True. it's a bigger network than Facebook. Uh, if you were to map out every single graveyard using AI and machine learning and augmented reality. So it's kind of this idea. It's very ambitious. I mean, everyone will want to talk to their ancestors, right? <laughs> no, of course, I'm sure. Even with the ability of AI to recreate voice, video, and imagery, I think it's definitely doable as time passes and... Honestly, I think it'll be good, not only for people who are wanting to get the knowledge from our ancestors, but also maybe it could be a, its own coping mechanism to some extent as well. So um, I'll keep a lookout for that one. Um, all right, photography. I want to talk a little bit of photography. It's my, it's my realm. Outside of all this augmented reality, Jay also does some fantastic astrophotography work in addition to regular photography. Although we met through cosplay, um, I got a chance to see the full extent of his artistic journey through his Instagram. So I'll make sure to put all the information so you can follow his work. But tell us a little bit about what got you into astrophotography, because I remember you started a while ago and I saw the progression and the different things, all the inexpensive tools you had to buy to be able to pull off what you do. But tell us, how did it go from the mirrors to cosplay to astrophotography? That's actually, yeah, how it went from the mirror wearables to the cosplay. So when I was creating my headsets and my fashion wear, I'm like, well, let me bring it to a Comic-Con. And so I started, that's how I got into cosplay. So I'm like, oh, it's actually kind of fun to recreate these characters. And then I started encountering photographers like you and got interested in like, oh, I want to do photography. I want to do these photo shoots. So I got a camera and I was working with a OMP Edge magazine and Amplitude magazine and was going to blog the tokyo olympics in 2020 so i got all my camera gear 300 millimeter lens and the sony a6600 and then a week after i got my camera <laughs> something happened the lockdowns happened every event got canceled so it's like all right i just bought this camera what am i getting tested on so i started photographing the moon shooting the moon and i noticed i can see the craters of the moon i can see the mountains just with like a 300 millimeter lens on a tripod and that fascinated me because I'm like, all right, well, if I can see the moon, what else can I see? So I pointed at the brightest star, Jupiter, which is a planet. And it's like next to it weren't stars. Those were moons. I saw the moons of another planet in my photo. I'm like, wow. it was just mind blowing. I posted it at the south uh, and I'm, I can see the Milky Way. From there, it's just like the camera is revealing uh, the universe to me. And by uh, playing with the camera and the settings, you can see more and more. And it was just really a, deep rabbit hole of getting into the universe yeah no, it's crazy <clears throat> i'll uh i'll share some of the images because they're fantastic um now tell me if somebody were to start to poke around with astrophotography if you can go back and give yourself some advice you're starting out what would you recommend that they use to capture some great astro uh, photographs so in starting out if you have a dslr camera uh, like a 16 millimeter lens just a wide lens that's that's great for taking a milky way photo uh, if you have something like a larger aperture, like f2.8, f2, f1.4, that's even better. You really want to get a lot of light collection when you're doing your photos for long exposure. So like to start like uh, taking a Milky Way photo, like just on a tripod, you set your camera up, download an app so you have an idea where the Milky Way actually is. Um, and then just point your camera there, set it for like a 10 second exposure, and maybe like the ISO 2000... And of course, your, your widest aperture. And then try and take as many photos as you can in the same exact spot. So like if you have an intervalometer or you can set it to just take photos every 10 seconds, that's perfect. You get like 10 minutes of photos, 10 seconds each. 
in post-processing, you can then stack these photos. Right. Because the single photo, you can only see so much. But when you take more photos, more data collected, you can remove the noise and you can start to really see the color and the detail of the cosmos. I think there's a photo of the moon that you took that was a stacked photo, right? How many photos did that take? Oh, the moon photos? Uh, the moon photos are usually just one photo. Um, but yeah, if I'm like, it, there are ways to take photos of the moon and stack it. Like you can take it with uh, the different phases of the moon, such as a full moon or the. Because the thing about the moon is, even though most people want to take photos of it just once a full moon, it's actually more interesting to photograph it when it's in these other phases because you can see the shadows create more depth in the craters and actually more detail. Nice, nice. Now, I believe you modified or had your camera modified to be able to yeah. to do more with it. So what is that? what did you do? What does it do for you? I'll show something. So when I take off my lens, so this is, this is more, yeah, the advanced part. If you get really into astrophotography, you can have your camera modified. So... This is a piece of glass that I actually had. This is terrifying, Jay, just so you know. I know. It, of course it is. Yes, it is. I'm just used to it now. So I, I actually had my uh, this piece of glass removed. And what this is is a UV IR blocker because when a digital camera, when it's created, it actually can see beyond the visible color spectrum, infrared and ultraviolet. That looks very strange. It looks like orange and red color, which is not right. So that's why they install that piece of glass on top of it so we take normal-looking color. However, when you have it removed, it can see more color, which is perfect for astrophotography. So that way I can see the, the true chemistry of the cosmos, where there's hydrogen and oxygen, which you can actually see with a full spectrum camera. And you can apply different filters to isolate it. So that way I can only see the hydrogen alpha, which is like that red color in nebulas, um, as well as you can also attach infrared filters like infrared 720 nanometer or infrared... 780 nanometer to see like really interesting ghostly images of, of landscapes. Nice. Nice. Um, are you, you have any plans to explore any other type of photography that appeals to you right now, or are you going to just keep exploring Astro for the time being? Astro has been a lot of fun. I've done a lot of action photography, especially now that we're coming more out of lock out, um, really going into, like these events, like like to try and practice photographing people, portraits, yeah. and kind of like this podcast is a, probably the future. Yeah, I don't know what's been happening behind us, but I'm sure some pretty clever and creative cosplays are here. Speaking of cosplay, I know you've done, we've, we've did some photo shoots together. My favorite one of yours, I think it's going to have to be Solid Snake. Because <laughs> I went out of my way, stopped at Walmart, and got you a box just so we can do the box picture. Um, so hauling around a box in Megacon was, was priceless. I don't know how many hours I, ho I ho held it, but um, it, that's my favorite one. Which one would you think is your favorite? Or perhaps which one required the most ingenuity for you? The Solid Snake was a lot of fun. I mean... He's just such a fun video game character. I got to meet Kiefer Sutherland and David Hayter as Snake nice. and doing photo shoots uh, with them. Um, my favorite cosplay, the one that was most difficult, was actually this Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild cosplay. This Barbarian Link armor set it took me three months to create it. Jesus. And the, the way it was created is actually I, I sculpted the skull helmet out of clay. And that took like a, a few weeks. But then it was like 20 pounds. And it's like, that's too heavy to put on your head. So I had to 
pour silicone uh, resin and resin and create casted molds from it. So that way it'd be lighter weight. So I'd actually create the sculpture and then recreate it and then do all the weathering. And then that was just, uh, yeah, it took three months to create, showcase that holiday Matsuri right before the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's the one that I skipped, but I did see that. And that looked, that looked pretty, uh, pretty intricate. Um, what advice would you give to anybody that's starting out in cosplay? Are there any, I know YouTube's a great resource, obviously, um, but are there any particular people that you follow? Anybody that helped you when you were coming up with these different designs? Well, I got to meet Lightning Cosplay. That was the one I was following her tutorial online to create the barbarian uh, skull armor for, for her case, Monster Hunter. So Lightning Cosplay is great. Camu Cosplay. All these YouTube channels are really helpful in how to create uh, cosplay with foam or uh, sewing. I think EVA foam is a really great material to work with, especially when starting out. Uh, the very first cosplays I like did, uh, I would use a software called Papakura which is this free software where you can take a 3D model and it will slice it up into uh, essentially a template that you can print out, cut up and fold and to create essentially a full armor or full costume and then take your paper cutouts and put it onto foam, cut out the foam and foam is just so easy to work with. You can use a heat gun to shape in different ways and paint it. Uh, Foam is so much fun. (laughs) I want to ask you something. You have a shirt there from uh, Earthward Gym old game great game why are you wearing this shirt what's happening today tell so, us so earthworm gym is uh, coming back uh we think you said uh back in 1995 it's almost 30 years uh, since uh, earthworm gym uh, came into our existence i grew up with him and he's a great character so uh, i work with interplay entertainment uh, i help them create their officially licensed merchandise that we just launched on amazon today nice so we have a lot of Earthworm Jim uh, t-shirts and hoodies and all these different characters. Spent a lot of time uh, going through the old cartoons and the video games to extract him and to bring him into the 2023, as it were. That's interesting. For people that are familiar with the character, not many know that Jim was voiced by the same actor or talent that did Homer Simpson, right? Yes. Dan, I can never say his last name, but... Um, it's really fun. It's a really fun game, really creative. And if I got it correctly, it's beyondthegroovy.com. That's the website? Beyond the Groovy, yeah, Beyond the Groovy is the upcoming uh, television series. So there is a reboot in the works uh, with Interplay. Uh, we are working on Earthworm Jim Beyond the Groovy. Uh, essentially, Earthworm Jim, again, he's like a, it's kind of like as if he, Superman or an astronaut was an earthworm it's, it's, it's kind of a silly concept it, it's really weird but he's such a cartoony character because he is a worm like he could use his head as like a jump rope or a grappling hook and he's exploring outer space looking for delicious dirt on different planets though he though he loves earth earth dirt is the best the dirt on earth is the best <laughs> um question just uh so people know do you have any upcoming projects i know you've you were looking to do something with holograms and whatnot, but what's in the horizon for you in terms of what's, what's next for you? I think holograms. Yeah. Uh, so I, ever since I started using like mid journey to create artwork with AI, I've been using it to really create art a lot faster. I can create a lot of concept art. I just created this concept art of like a $400 million renovation to the university of Florida football stadium to install this 200 foot hologram of an alligator for the halftime shows. And, 
I love the idea of uh, creating holograms and experimenting with projectors to create these volumetric spatial sculptures that people can interact with, kind of like a video game, like kind of really trying to bring this new meat mode of art uh, that can transcend just a painting or a drawing is this new animated live uh, reconstructions. Awesome. Awesome. Jay, if people wanted to see your work, what would be the best place to go? Would that be Instagram, YouTube? What would be some places where they can find you? My website, jrosen.design. It's the same handle I have on Instagram, jrosen.design. Well, I'm really happy you got to join me today, Jay. Um, This is really informational, especially everything about augmented reality. I don't think this is going to be our last conversation, but for the time being, thank you for coming and we look forward to our next interview very soon, man. Thank you. Hello there. I know the interview ended a bit abruptly, and that's because we had to rush out of there to make it to a panel that we were teaching at Tampa Bay Comic Con. Nonetheless, I want to thank Jay for taking the time to talk to us, and I would like for you to support his work by going to his sites at jrosen.design. That's on Instagram, jrosen.design, as well as his webpage. Until then, take care.